How you guys doing? You know, uh, we got Thanksgiving and then Black Friday, so if you're like wondering when you're going to go get your toys for that toy drive, Black Friday is normally a good day to stock up on toys, or if you're like me and you definitely don't like going out on that Friday, um, but I love Cyber Monday, Amazon Cyber Monday, uh, you know, we, we got to get creative since Toys R Us isn't around anymore, and um, you know, so we, we want to... But there's still Walmart and Target and some other places to shop. But um, it's just an awesome opportunity to be able to, to give. And I, and I look back there. I walked back there before coming up and, and just blown away and, and just super grateful for your hearts. They inspire me personally. And uh, this is a season where we have the opportunity to, to give back, whether it's Bringing goods, whether it's giving money, giving a toy, serving, there are so many opportunities during this holiday season. I want to challenge everyone, you know, if that's not where your heart is at right now, get there. Because it's so refreshing. The Bible says that it's just refreshing. The Bible, God promises us that man, we will be refreshed when we refresh other people. So if you're feeling stressed about the holidays, if you're feeling stressed about the turkey that you got to cook on Thursday or family coming to town in a couple weeks or something like that or going to see family, if you're feeling stressed, go give. You will be refreshed, I promise you. And a note to parents, take your kids with you when they buy the toy. That's what I'm going to do. My kids are going to be a little shocked. I got a three-year-old and he thinks everything's his. And so when I tell him, no, this one's not for you, and then I make him put it on the table and say, this one's not for you, Levi, this one's for some little kid, then you're going to, you know, you might not ever meet them, but you're going to be giving to someone. Uh, we'll see how he does with it. <laughs> so it's, a, it's just a great parenting opportunity. So now I love this time of year. I love Thanksgiving specifically because not only do I have a great time eating, I love to eat. I love turkey. My wife is an expert turkey maker. Yes, if you've had her turkey, you know this. Um, she is, um, oh, she is, she's amazing at making turkey. I'm just going to say. And uh, this year, we made it for the singles ministry, and she took it even to another level. There, I'm not going to tell you what she did. You can ask her if you want. She might tell you. She might not tell you. I don't know. But um, it was one of those things where the white meat was even juicy. You know what I mean? Like, when the white meat's juicy, that's when you know it's good. The dark meat's always juicy. But the white meat on her turkey was absolutely amazing. I will say thank you for, there was one hint from a brother here in our ministry that helped us out. So thank you to that brother. He knows who he is. Um, it's also a special time for me because uh, I was baptized at this time of year. And... Um, Today, my lesson is with God, and I'm going to be sharing uh, about, like, this, uh, this coming up week, I'm going to be celebrating 10 years as a disciple, and I'm excited to share with you a few lessons that I've learned over the last 10 years. I heard that our church used to give globes when you became a 10 years as a disciple. Did I, is that right? I don't know. What happened to the globes? Anyways, somebody, you know, Chaz told me that this morning, I was like, Really? Okay. I'm just happy to make it 10 years as a disciple. Amen? I'm just happy to be here. Uh, before I go and speak further, I'd like to pray. 
Father, we're so grateful. We're so grateful for you, for your son, God, that, that we're even here today. You give us so much hope. You give us so many things to believe in. God, thank you for just the opportunity to be able to give, to be able to meet needs. Lord, um, personally, just grateful for 10 years with you and what that's been like. Lord, be with me today as I, as I share. Um, Lord, help our hearts to be opened to your word and help us to leave here changed. We love you. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Now, before I go, I want you to turn to your neighbor, left or right, and just tell them one thing that you're very grateful for. Turn to your neighbor right now. Tell them one thing that you're very grateful for. Do you guys get to share? I said one thing. All right, turn into your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 46. So I'm going to be sharing the, the I've got five things that I'm, I'm really grateful for that, that God has kind of taught me over these last 10 years. And, you know, really, I'm a I'm kind of I'm an adolescent. I'm like still a baby Christian, really. I, I've got a long ways to go. There's still a lot of head, a lot of head. But I do believe that these these five lessons that I've learned, um, I'm going to continue to learn. And I think they can help you no matter where you're at. If you've been here and you're, you're 50 years old spiritually, I think these can help you. But I want to read you what was read to me the day before I became a Christian. I had a brother come over to my house and he said, I want to read you this scripture. He was reading through his Bible. He was reading Isaiah. You know, that's where the committed Christians read their Bible, you know, the ones that go into the Old Testament, you know. This was one of those brothers. He was like, hey, bro, I got to read this to you. And he's like, I'm going to take it out of context a little bit. I'm going to make it pointed at you. And I want to read you the same thing that he read me. It stuck with me um, this whole time. And he, he read it and he personalized it for me. Like he was talking to me. This was God talking to the nation of Israel or Judah. And he says in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 8, he says, remember this. Keep it in mind. Take it to heart, you rebel. That's what he said to me. I was like, I love you, bro. Take it to heart, you rebel, Aaron. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there's none like me. He says, I make known the end from the beginning, from the ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. From the east, I summon a bird of prey from a far off land, a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that I will bring about. He says, what I have planned, that I will do. Listen to me, you stubborn hearted man. I just looked at him like, wow, this is so encouraging. bro. (laughs) And he says, you are now far from my righteousness. But I am bringing my righteousness near. It is not far away. And my salvation will not be delayed. I had lived a pretty crazy life up until that point. Having, you know, having a form of godliness, 
but denying its power. That would have been the perfect way to describe my life up until this point. Where I knew about God, grew up in a Southern Baptist community in Atlanta, you know, outside of Atlanta. Like, I mean, I always went to church, but, but I just, I never really gave my heart to God, never really trusted God. It was never my decision. I, always, I went to church either because my parents told me or because a girl I was dating went to church. That's, that was the only reason. I was just a rebel. I was stubborn hearted. I kind of did what I want knowing the Bible said not to do those things. Never really changed. And then when I started studying the Bible during the summer of 2008, God started to move in my heart. I was at a place of brokenness. I was at a place of, I just, I just need, like everything I'm going after right now is not filling me up. The girls, not, I, you know, the girls, the partying, the career, the money, like I just still feel empty. And I know many of you can relate. Maybe you feel that way now. Like, I, I really love what I do, but I'm just still kind of empty. Like, kind of wondering, is there something else? And through the process of studying the Bible and making this commitment to make Jesus the Lord of my life, of, re- of repenting of my sins, and, you know, eventually getting baptized, you know, like Caitlin's going to do today. I'm so excited for her. Um, like, it was just an amazing process. And for that brother to read that to me, he says, hey, you know, the... Like, you've been away. You've been, you've been far away from my righteousness, he says, but now I'm bringing it near. Salvation, basically, Aaron, is on the doorstep. And, and I was so inspired to hear that because he said, God has a plan for you. And my first thing that I learned about God that, that's just really stuck with me is that God's intent for my life is never a concern. God has a purpose for me. And and at the base layer, God, you know, you look in what's highlighted here in Romans chapter 11, verse 33 through 36. It says, for from him and through him and for him are all things. God's purpose and intent for each one of our lives has not changed from the beginning of time. God wants you with God's ways are so beyond our ways. But His intent is clear. And you see it running through the Bible, just all the way through the Bible, from the very beginning. God just wants a relationship with you. That's all He wants. He just wants to be with you. And I needed to learn that lesson because there would be times, and I'm sure... I'm not the only one that I would question God, like, God, what are you doing right now? Like, what is happening in my life right now? Why did these things happen? You ever wonder that? You ever question the intent of what's going on in your life? You ever question the intent of somebody else in your life? I mean, we do that all the time. Like, I believe I'm looking at a room full of people with good intentions. Right? You guys all are pretty good people. We have good intentions, but we hurt people. With our good intentions. You ever done that? I'm so sorry for hurting you. I never intended to do that. And sometimes when we're prideful, we, our apologies are like, I'm so sorry that, what, you know, that, that your feelings are so soft that, that I hurt you. I was thinking about this so when I grew, growing up. Like, 
I, I love playing Frisbee. I was playing ultimate Frisbee with some family members, and I had a family member standing right in front of me, and I was trying to throw the Frisbee around him uh, to get to somebody else on my team, and I hit him in the face with the Frisbee. And my apology was pretty much, I am sorry your face got in the way of my Frisbee. I did not intend to do that. And you're just like, well, that, but you did. You hurt me. You know, what I've learned as a Christian over the last 10 years is that God's intent is never a concern. At the base layer, I can always rely on this because it's always been the same. It's never changed. God wants me with Him. So no matter what's happening in my life at that moment, I can always go back to that one constant truth that, you know what, God says, hey, I'm for Him, through Him, and, for, and wait, from Him, for Him, and through Him are all things. That's why I'm here. I'm here to be with Him. You know, we can get in trouble trying to rationalize the intent of God. We can, we, we can make it out to be something that He never promised. God never promised comfort. He never promised wealth. He never promised that life would be easy or that you would have health or fame. He never promised those things. He just said, hey, whatever's happening in your life, the purpose behind it is, I want you to be with me. That's what I'm trying to do. I will move people. I will move things. Just because I want you. Say that. Like, God wants me. God wants me. I should never, ever question his intent in my life. God gives us freedom from the bondage of sin, but that doesn't mean we have freedom from temptation. God gives us freedom to choose, but it doesn't mean we're free from the consequences of our choices. God wants us. And when you can remember that baseline, it just it's, it's helped me so much over the last 10 years of what's going on in my life. There's been some craziness that's gone on in my life. You know, I read this quote because... That, like, sometimes I feel like God is distant. You ever felt God is distant? God's moving. But then I realized, no, God is, God's the most stable thing out there. He's not moving. His intent has never changed. From the beginning, it's never changed. If you're feeling distant from God, this is the question you've got to ask yourself, who moved? It's always been me always been me who's moved god's intent is never a concern that's one thing that i've learned the other thing that i've learned and, and i picked this up uh, i i was having a hard time to put it into words but i went to the singles uh la singles devo and uh they had a lot of people sharing from their lives and this one sister goes up there and she says life is brutal brutal and beautiful in one word that makes sense and i was like that's it that's what I've learned, that, that even though life can be brutal sometimes, it's still beautiful. This is what life can be like. I'm here at Barry Island Beach, and there's no sight to stop. Yeah, sometimes you're just sitting there, 
at a beach, there might be windy, and you just have a fish slap you in the face. Life can be fruitful. I want to see that again. I'm here at Barry Island Beach, and there's no sight of salt. There we go. You're like, where'd you find that video? Somebody asked me that. You just type in funny uh, face shots videos and all kind of stuff comes up. But do you feel that? Life with God sometimes, like, it, it can be tough. Like, God, never, like I said, not, God doesn't promise life to be easy. It can be downright brutal at times. But it's also beautiful. You ever noticed in the different that there's a in the in the New Testament, the the Bible talks about peace with God and the peace of God. And there's, you know, one of them is kind of like a stone, something solid, and one of them is like the ocean. I hope that if you're here this morning, that you have peace with God. That if you've reached that point, if you're here this morning and you you don't have peace with God, you don't know where you stand with God, that you don't feel like I'm standing on solid ground with God, that you ask somebody to study the Bible, that you ask somebody to get right with God. If you're where I was 10 years ago, like nothing's filling me up. I feel so empty despite all this stuff that I've got going on. I do not. I just didn't feel at peace with God. I was scared to death of death. Because I wasn't sure what would happen after that. I was not at peace with God. But when you're at peace with God, Romans chapter 5, it says, Our standing, or since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which He now stands. In other words, When we enter into that right relationship with God, it's solid. It doesn't move. It doesn't change because it's based on Jesus. It's something, it's like a stone. It's not going anywhere. That's having peace with God. But the peace of God is more like an ocean. The peace of God, I compare it to to that. It's not as permanent. It kind of changes time and time. You know, time after time, it changes like, you know, with the the tides, like hour by hour, there's something that could be different. You ever feel that like one moment you're at peace and the next moment you're just freaking out, you're a mess, you're anxious about everything where that the, the peace of God, you feel like I just feel like the peace of God just left me here. I was peaceful earlier, but now I'm not. You know, the, I said that, you know, that's how Christians experience the peace of God. That's how I've experienced the peace of God, because sometimes my heart's calm. Other times it's an ocean of emotion. It's just and there. It's just it's just churning. And it's just like something's going to come out and it's probably not going to be peaceful if I don't deal with this immediately. Because life is brutal. Life is brutal. It's just throwing some crazy stuff at you over the last 10 years. I've had some crazy things thrown at me. I'm not going to get into it. You guys have heard some of my sharing, but I mean, you know, broken bones, loss of loved ones, 
you know, gone through multiple miscarriages. We've had some tough stuff, but we've also had some really beautiful stuff happen to us. And I felt at times just not at peace, not that peace of God. Like there's been times where I just am freaking out and I don't know what to do. In Philippians chapter 4, turn with me over there. Verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he has to tell us again, Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God is something that we can feel, is something that we can experience, but it's something that, if we're very real with ourselves, tends to fluctuate. You know, and the more we behave erratically, the more we are led by our own emotions, the more that peace of God will fluctuate. The scripture gives us the keys. You know, we tend to worry and fret over many things, but God's promise to have peace remains the same. It's always available. He says, We have to rejoice always. So what does that mean about rejoicing? How often should I rejoice? Always. Right? You guys got that one? Always. You're like, you mean all the time, Aaron? Yes. That's what always means. Rejoice always. Don't stop rejoicing. That's a hard one just in and of itself. We could stop there and you'd have a lot to work on. Right? Like, wow, did I rejoice always this morning? No. No. I personally did not rejoice always this morning. I came in this morning feeling like a frantic mess. Coming into church. And I'm like, I'm about to preach on rejoice always? And I don't feel at peace right now. I need to rejoice always. I'm like, okay, communion. I appreciate Laura sharing her heart. And I'm like, and I appreciated the songs because I'm like, I need to get at peace really quick before I get up and talk. Rejoice Always says, be gentle. Don't be anxious. Easier said than done, right? Don't be anxious. Pray. Always give thanks. We should not only give thanks during Thanksgiving, right? It was I had an awesome time with a couple brothers yesterday morning. and, And one of the things that we talked about we, you know, as I was sharing about 10 years as a disciple and I had another brother in there that had been a disciple for nine years. Another brother had been a disciple for 16 years. And we just, we said, hey, so like what about your character is more Christ-like than it was when you first started coming to church before you became a disciple? And just talking about that was kind of refreshing for us because we're like, wow, I'm not, uh, I haven't, I'm not just a messed up person. Like I have become a little bit more like Christ. I'm not there yet. I still got a long ways to go. But I'm like, wow, through Christ, I can be grateful for so many things. I wouldn't have the discipline 
or the integrity or the love if it wasn't for his example. Man, there's so much to be grateful. Maybe that's something to think about. Hey, about just to be honest with yourself, what about you is more Christ-like? Bible teaches that we should always be growing. We should always become more Christ-like. You know, but when we put these things into practice, when we put Philippians 4 into practice, we're at peace. So even when life is brutal, even when life is throwing you some curveballs, when it's tough and we can't always handle it or we can't always control it, sometimes you've been very prayerful, you've been on your knees, and then something happens causing you to have anxiety, causing you to struggle, causing you just to be frantic. Bible says, wow, like how we act can bring about peace, this peace of God. Are you, do you have the peace of God running through your life right now? Or are you always like just an out of control ocean of emotion? Where it's just waves crashing everywhere. People are getting hurt. Nobody wants to go near you. You go. You guys know how it is out here in California. Some sometimes you just can't go into the ocean because it's going to be dangerous. That's how some of us are with our emotions. It's like uh, stay away from that brother or sister. It's about to get dangerous. They do not have the peace of God with them right now. But if they go rejoice, if they go express gratitude, if they go pray, if they cast all their anxiety on God, you'll be more at peace. I promise you. It works. It's not just nice words in the Bible. This actually works. When life is brutal, it can be beautiful at the same time. The third thing I've learned is that you can overcome. Now, turn over to, we're going to look at that first scripture, First Peter. I had a little bit of trouble with this point as I was thinking about it. But in verse 5, chapter 5, verse 6, Peter writes to the church, he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Remember, the point is, with God... You can overcome. Not you can overcome. It's with God you can overcome. Actually, if you want to overcome, what you have to do is you have to humble yourself. You have to lower yourself. You have to say, okay, God, I'm going to give this one to you. Whatever situation you're going through right now, I'm going to let you deal with it. And with you, God, if I humble myself, the Bible teaches me that His hand will lift me up in due time. That I can overcome with God. Key words there. I know it's not in the slide. But with God, you can overcome. I think one of the biggest biggest challenges that I faced as a disciple, or learning to become a disciple, was my sin. I just didn't think... I could be different. Anybody ever felt that? Where you're just like, yeah, like, I, I don't think 
I can change. I've shared it before where I you know, first walked into the church. I thought the place was going to burn down or, or, or something like that. Or I thought when you guys looked at me, those that have known me for the last 10 years, that you were going to be able to say, oh, we can't fix this guy. You know, you got, there, there's some other stuff that you need to go deal with first. And truth is, I had a worldly way of thinking about it. I thought I could do it. Or I thought I couldn't do it. The Bible says with God, you can now turn over to First John. Did I write five? Okay, chapter three, sorry. Sometimes my threes and fives look the same. Sorry about that. But it's First John chapter three. Verse seven. It says, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them it says they cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother or sister. This was written by one of Jesus' closest friends. And he's saying, you know, you know that, that point in verse 9, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. You know, and he's talking about when you become a Christian, when you become a disciple and you make that decision to make Jesus Lord of your life, like he literally enters into your life. You become one with him. The Holy Spirit enters into your life. And there's this seed inside of you that says, like, you cannot sin. Like, you just can't. And, and I had a hard time believing a scripture like this. I was like, are you sure? Because I just want to sin so much. I really do. Like, it's actually possible that I cannot sin? That I will desire to not sin? Yes. There's this seed on the inside that, that just says, I can't keep sinning. And it just doesn't change. It's like no matter how hard I try, I can't keep sinning. It's like my kids, you know, like they can't stop looking like me. No matter how hard they try. Why? Because my DNA is inside of them. They're going to look like me no matter how hard they try. My kids look like me. That's just how it is. And what I've learned is that, man, when I became a disciple, like, there's this side of me that just doesn't want to sin. I just, I, I'm not saying I don't sin, I do. Sinned yesterday. You know, I was faithless this morning. But I don't like it. Because there's this seed inside that's like, I just, I can't. I got to deal with this inside of me. I got to get this sin out of me. It's not 
supposed to be there. It's weird. You know, there's something inside that's like, I've, I've got to worship God. I've got to change my life. I've got to deal with my sin. You know, we, we live in a society where, you know, we're, we're all about the outside stuff. And we bring that to church sometimes. Like, okay, if the worship isn't exactly what I like, or if the preacher doesn't say exactly what I want to hear, or if, if the greeter at the front door doesn't give me a hug and look me in the eye, then I'm not sure if I'm going to have a good worship experience in here. We're so worried about the outside, and the Bible says it's the inside that matters, right? It's that seed on the inside that's like, I just can't. I can't sin. I can't live a worldly life. I, I have to be honor God with my life. You make excuses. Like, well, my, I'm, I sinned because my accountability partner didn't call me the two, day, two days this week, like they promised. They're supposed to call me every Tuesday and every Friday, and they forgot to. So I messed up. So I sinned. You're like, what? The pastor, he didn't say the right things. He, you know, I really needed him to talk about purity this week because I've been struggling on my purity and I just, and he didn't. So I, I messed up in my purity this week. It's like, if you need people to beg you to read your Bible, if you need people to beg you to pray or come to church or to, to serve or, you know, if you're if you're walking in here and you maybe forgot to bring something. But it doesn't phase you whatsoever. If your inside is not moved to give, because every person here, if you drove a car here, you have more than most of the world has. And if you're there's something on the inside that's not moving you to like meet other needs. Man, what does that say about us? What does that say? What's, what's going on on the inside? We shouldn't have to beg you to read your Bible. We shouldn't have to beg you to search the Scriptures, to make changes in your life, to, to hate your sin. That's, nobody should have to beg you to do that. Because that comes from the inside. Because it comes from that seed of God that was planted on the inside of you that you, it's, it's uncontrollable. You know, as a disciple and as a minister, I've had people criticize me for being too focused on the lost. And I'm like, I can't help it. Like, God's done so much in my life, I just have to tell people about it. I really have to. Like, you can tell me that I'm too focused on that, but, but really, like, this, this is my calling. I'm an evangelist. <laughs> I want to preach the word. I want to tell people about God. And I love telling people about God. Like, it's not going to stop me. What's, what's going on on the inside of us? And he says, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. So if you're like, Aaron, are you telling me that if I'm living a life of sin and I have hatred towards my brother and sister, that I am of the devil? I'm not telling you that. But the Bible does tell you that. 
guys, we have to figure out what we're going to do with this. If I'm not being moved from the inside, what's going on in there? What's going on with that seed in there? What seed is planted inside? God's taught me that with Him, I can overcome my sin. I can actually get to a point where my sin disgusts me. I can get to a point where I just I don't really want to sin anymore. And I seriously don't. And then when I do, it bothers me to a point where I'm like, I've got to change it. If you're here today and you don't feel like you can change with God, you can overcome. He can make you a completely different person. Okay, number four. Sorry. With God, mountains are smaller. Matthew chapter 17, it says, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move, and it'll move. Mountains are smaller. I want to ask you, what's challenging your faith right now? Whether it's that family member who isn't a Christian, it's your, maybe your financial situation, maybe you're thinking about Christmas and you're like, eh, the gifts this year are going to be, it's not going to be many. Maybe it's your personal discipline. Maybe there's a sin in your life that, you know, like what we just got done talking about, like this sin feels like a mountain and it's not moving. A struggle you just can't seem to overcome. You know, maybe you're looking at society, looking at people. I mean, we've had some pretty terrible things happen last couple of weeks. The fires, the shootings. You know, I felt like, man, this just seems like a big mountain. It just feels like, like, God, this is so in our face, the hatred that's out there. Where you don't even feel safe going places sometimes. I feel like, you know, and I've, my heart's just sank. I've found myself being a little bitter towards people. Not you guys, but you know, like just people in general where their hearts can go. And I felt like, man, God, can you move those mountains? It feels like it's just things are just in a, such a bad place in the world out there. Can, can, it, can it really change? He says, well, yeah, with faith as small as a mustard seed. 